Well, good morning, good morning. I have had laryngitis this week, and even though my wife has prayed for a few more days, I'm a little better this morning. So anyway, just keep on praying that the voice will hold up at least for the next, oh, 55 minutes. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, and then we'll be looking at Mark chapter 4. The Gospel of Luke chapter 2. And as you look there, what the Word of God says there in verse 8 is a familiar Christmas passage. And it says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Fear not. Is that, is that something that you struggle with? Because you see, the Bible says, fear not. Now, do you know how these shepherds overcame their fear? They responded to the word of God. And see, that's one of the issues that you've got to come to grips with as a child of God. If you are truly born again, do you respond to the word of God? Or do you just say, well, you know, let me think about it. Because when God prompts you, do you obey what he says? When we come to the time of invitation in this service, do you respond to the word of God? Or do you sit there and say, well, I'm afraid what everybody's going to think about me. Do you respond to what God says? Because if you don't learn to respond promptly to what God says, you'll constantly struggle with fear. Now look back to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And look what it says, reading at verse 39. And he, Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and they said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? They were in the middle of a storm, and they were coming to Christ saying, Don't you care? You ever felt that way? You're in the middle of a mess, you're in the middle of a storm, you're in the middle of a situation, and you don't know what to do, you don't know how to handle it, and you're looking to God saying, God, don't you care? He cares for you. He cares so much. He gave Jesus on Calvary's tree to die for you, to work in your life. He cares. Now look what he says. Carest thou not that we perish? And he arose. He responded and he rebuked the wind and he said into the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Now look what it says in verse 40. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Why? Simple question, isn't it? He asked the disciples. He's asking us. Why are you so fearful? And he connects fearfulness with no faith. And so, so as you look at this, do these questions ever concern you? 
Do, do they ever cross your mind? Do you, do you find yourself seemingly in this struggle where, where you're battling constantly with a battle of fear and, and you rehearse in your mind that which it is that is overcoming you, that which it is which is suffocating you, that which it is that is opposing you? Why is it you have no faith? Man, that's a tough question. Because we've all got to process this. And and you say, why are you afraid? You know what we say? I don't know. We're like that, you know, 15-year-old kid again, right? I don't know. Why are you fearful? But, but, But preacher, what if God called me to go somewhere? Why are you fearful? But preacher, what if God called me, expected me to do something, to say something? He does. But but preacher, what if God wants me to leave my comfort zone? Why are you fearful? Because of that. You see, you cannot walk with God and not go with God. You cannot stay where you are and move with the Father, because the Father is always bidding us to come and to, to leave our nets and to leave our stuff and to go about the presentation and the presenting of the gospel to people who are lost and undone. But, but, but we allow fear to get in the way and we allow fear to stop us and we allow fear to suffocate our faith. And then we want to say, oh, I've got faith. Where is it? See, here's a definition of fear. Fear is the feeling It's an anxiety. It's an agitation that comes by a person or a near danger. And fear is a thief that erodes my faith. Fear is a thief that plunders our hope. Fear is a thief that steals our freedom. Fear is a thief that takes away the joy of living an abundant life. It's it's like the coils of a snake. And as they wrap around your body, they get tighter and tighter and tighter. And you're sitting there saying, I can't take it any longer. Then look to Jesus. Because he said, fear not. And the shepherds responded to the word of God. And see, that's the challenge that you have and that I have is we've got to constantly be learning what it means to respond to the word of God. Philippians chapter four, verse six says in everything, in everything by prayer and thanksgiving in everything. And the two battles that constantly want to battle me and probably want to battle you. It's the battle of fear and the battle of discouragement. Because, see, it constantly comes at us. Now, now where do these battles come from? Your big toe? Where do they come from? Your mind, right? Because we, we let this stuff into our mind. And when we let these things into our mind and we start giving more thought to that stuff instead of what the Word of God says, it impacts us. Look what it says in Psalms 9, verses 9 and 10. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed. Hallelujah. A refuge in a time of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. The Lord is my refuge. The Lord is my refuge, present tense. The Lord is my refuge. He is powerful. The Lord is my refuge. He is personal. Guys, that's good news. We don't have to be afraid. We have to learn to trust. Now, now I know women are different than men. Amen. 
And women, according to science, think out of the right side of the brain. Men, we have no argument there. But sometimes women seem to battle fear and discouragement more than men do. Or at least they express it more than men may express it. But every single day, every single day, you will have to counsel your heart from anxiety to trust. Every single day, you will have to counsel your heart from fear and doubt to faith. Every single day, you will have to counsel your heart from despair to hope. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, let the word of God dwell in you richly every single day. You've got to make a conscious choice in your life. Will I focus on my fears? Or will I look in faith to Christ Jesus and what his word says every single day? It doesn't happen if you don't make that choice. It doesn't happen simply because you say, I'm born again and I go to church on Sunday. See, you have to let the word of God, you have to let scripture, you have to let the Bible dwell in you richly. So let me ask you a question. What Bible verse did you memorize this week? Simple question. Because see, if you're going to let the Word of God dwell in you richly, you've got to let it get in you. And that means you've got to give time to take it in. How, how much time have you spent saturating your mind with what the Word of God says? Where you start reading the Word of God and you start meditating on the Word of God. And as you read and as you meditate on the Word of God, you start praying forth the Word back to the Father. And you're never praying more in the perfect will of God unless you are praying what the Word of God says. It says in Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be upon my mouth. Is that true of you? See, see, daily I have to choose to trust. Daily I have to choose to obey what God's Word says. And it's a battle. It's a battle. And it's not a battle for your big toe. It's a battle for your mind. It's a battle for your mind. Now look what it says back in Mark 4 verse 35 and the same day when the evening was come he said unto them let us pass over unto the other side they were obeying Jesus when they got afraid they were in the midst of obeying Christ when the storm blew up they were in the midst of doing what God says when they found themselves in the middle of a storm and waves were beating upon the boat you see you have to say Lord I'm walking in your path Lord I'm submitted to your will and you're still going to face challenges you're going to still going to face difficulty and then that's when you got to take the power of the word of God and make it real in your life Philippians chapter 4 it says be careful for nothing but in everything in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus guys memorize it write it down underline it but get it inside you but in everything the good the bad the indifferent I'm going to give thanks and I'm going to pray to my God why because he is God and he is not changed and he knows where I am and he knows the situation I'm in and he will intervene in my life when he sees fit and he sees time to do so and he's going to take this and use it but you got to constantly be doing this because it's a battle for your mind so 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 how do you make this practical how do you stop 
being afraid. Well, look to Psalm chapter 37. Psalm chapter 37 and the first eight verses here. It says, fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy ways unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy right as the light and the judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to possess. Cease from anger, forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. How do you stop being afraid? Stop fretting. Real simple. Now, we're going to have to describe that to some people. Stop worrying. That's what he says. It, it, it's what it's in verse 3, it says, trust in God. So, so, so how do you trust in God? You feed on his faithfulness. And then it says, delight in God. God will mold your heart that you value nothing more than him. Now, you better write that one down. What do you value, hold dear, more than him. Because, see, that's what's got to be the utmost ambition in your life. It's Christ Jesus and him glorified. And then he says, fear not. So how do I stop being afraid? How do I learn not to be afraid? Well, 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 I'm not an expert at that. And I have battles with this time and time again. But God has shown me some simple things here. He says, fret not, trust, delight, commit, rest, and wait. How do you learn not to be afraid? You learn to trust Jesus. Now, life would be very boring without emotions, wouldn't it? And we enjoy emotions because emotions help us to express, help us to embrace joy and love and, and, and those things. But, but guys, you just can't live based on emotions because the emotions can change with the weather and you have to learn to trust God. How do I learn to trust God? Well, Philippians 4 says, be careful for nothing. That means don't take stuff for granted. Don't take people for granted. And so the way that I have to learn, I have learned to trust God, is I have to transfer the focus of what I'm going through off of my circumstance. I focus my intentionality upon Christ. Do you hear me? This is the man factor. This is the woman factor. You have to make a conscious choice, a deliberate act of your will to start focusing upon Christ, upon the Word of God, upon God and His kingdom and His glory. You have to choose that instead of focusing upon whatever your situation, whatever your issue it may be. You see, and, and, and the issue is being, you have to start learning the character of God. 
And you have to start understanding God's character is trustworthy. God can be trusted. God will work on my behalf. God will take care of things. So, so, so if I were to ask you, please do not answer me because I don't want to call you out and say you're wrong. But what would you say? It's the character of God. Now here's the answer typically in America and in the American church. God is loving. Wrong! He is loving. But that's not the essence of his character. See, we have made love God. And that sure is not right. See, see, God is loving. Yes, but the essence of the character of God. You read it in the Old Testament when the angels there in Isaiah chapter 6. They were there in the temple and they said, holy, holy, holy. Thrice holy is almighty. It is the holiness of God. And if you don't understand that, you will never understand the love of God. We understand Americanized concept of God is love and God loves everybody. See, see, here's the issue. Until you get a grip that God is holy. And see, we don't like getting a grip that God is holy. Because when I look at the holiness of God, what does it show me? It shows me my sinfulness. It shows me my inadequacy. It shows me my failure. It shows me how little I am. I am nothing. But when I say God is loving... I think I'm a lovable person. And I don't look at my sin. I don't look at my shame. I don't look at my inadequacies, my failures, do I? See, and we've got a whole generation. We want to talk about the love of God at the expense of the holiness of God. And they never get a glimpse because now God is loving and God winks at my sin. Does it not? God doesn't really take issue with my sin because he's loving. He, he's that grandfather type that just sits up there on his throne and says, well, bless his heart. See, 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 see we, we've missed it because we don't have the right concept of the character of God. God is holy. And it's only when you recognize he is holy because he is holy. He extends mercy. Hallelujah. He extends grace. Hallelujah. But only as I understand he is holy can I respond to that because I know I am but a worm. I am but filth. And he extends grace to me in his mercy. Then I know his love. Because his love covers that multitude of sin. But as long as I think I'm pretty good. And God just winks at my sin. This is why we're in a mess in our country. It's because it's all about the love of God. But they don't understand it. It's an Americanized version. And they don't understand the holiness of God. Because God wants to accept you just like you are. And he loves you in your sin. But he saves you and changes you. You getting this? Because if you don't get a handle on holiness, you're never going to understand his love. You're never going to understand how tremendous his love is. Well, well, preacher, I just don't like that Old Testament. Man, that's two-thirds of the Bible. And if you don't get a handle on understanding the Old Testament, you're never going to understand the New Testament. But, but preacher, I like that gentle and meek Jesus. I, I like that humble Jesus that just walked. How about the Jesus at the first of his ministry who walked inside the temple and he sat down and he weaved a cord and, and a whip and he drove the money changers out. How about the Jesus at the end of his ministry? He went back inside the same temple and he took another whip and he drove the money changers out and he turned over. What about that Jesus that got upset with sin? What what about that Jesus that got upset with the people who claimed to know him but were not living to his glory? Well, well, we just kind of ignore those passages in the Bible, don't we? Because we like that 
gentle Jesus, meek and lowly. Read the book! Because you see, we pick and choose what parts we like, right? Let's go to the book of Revelation. Let's see the last picture of Jesus. Here's John. I, John, verse 9, also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and the patience of Jesus Christ. I was on the isle called Patmos. Why was I there? Because of the word of God. Patmos was a Roman penal colony. Patmos was outside an island and Rome would take their prisoners and dump them there. They did not feed them. They did not clothe them. They dumped them there and you lived the best you could and John because of the word of God found himself on the isle of Patmos and and he's there for the kingdom of God and, and the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ and look what it says all by himself he is at church he is in the spirit on the Lord's day and he heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying I am alpha and omega I am the first and the last and what thou seest write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in a Asia, under Ephesus, under Smyrna, under Pergamos, under Thyatira, under Sardis, under Philadelphia, under Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. I turned to see. I responded to the word of God. You've got to start figuring out in life, child of God. You've got to respond to God's word when it comes to you. And behold, I turned. I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to foot and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like in the fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as a sound of many waters. Get this! That's not how he ever saw Jesus when he was on earth. That's not the Jesus he laid his head on there when they were there at that last table. That's not the Jesus that he saw when he walked with him across with the disciples. This is the Jesus, my friends, that's the resurrected body. This is a Jesus that's coming back for his bride. And he comes to him and he sees Christ Jesus. And there's power in his throat. There's power in his voice. He thunders. You like soft preaching? You like soft preaching? You better watch out because when Jesus speaks, he thunders. He thunders. He's dressed in, in this golden garb of this brilliant colors. He, 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 he's dressed, my friend, with it from head to foot. And his hair is white like snow. There's nothing but purity. There's nothing but holiness. That's his, and his eyes were, his eyes looked at you. His eyes looked through you. His eyes penetrated you. His eyes saw everything there is to know about you. Every thought you've ever had. Every sin you've ever committed. He's looking at John and he's seeing everything about John. Why? Because the holy risen son of God he's coming back and he's coming back this way and his voice it's like a roaring waterfall I mean it's thundering and his feet were like burning brass. He had walked through the fires of affliction he's been through the furnace of pain and his feet are glowing with that and then it says in his right hand were the seven stars the church is out of his mouth when a sharp Two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sunshine. You ever try to stare at the sun? You won't do it very long, will you? This is the resurrected Jesus, guys. There ain't nothing meek and lowly at this man, is there? 
because he's coming back. He's paid the price. And he looks at you. He looks through you. His word is sharp and it cuts to the very thunder, the thunder of your soul. And John, he couldn't run away. Man, isn't that a good place to be? When you're caught up in the presence of Almighty God and you, you have no ability to run away anymore. He couldn't flee. And he saw everything about him. What did he do? He fell as a dead man. He fell. What's it going to take before you fall before him? Because you will be in heaven or in hell. You will fall before him. And you will confess him as Christ, as God. You see, this is the last picture. We, we like the little Jesus in the manger, sweet, cuddly. He ain't coming back as a baby. Ah, he's coming back as warrior and king. He paid the price. So, 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 so that's why you've got to understand when I look at God, he's holy. I'm not. what happens is his holiness magnifies my sin and all I can do is say oh God I bow before you see look what it says in Jeremiah 32 17 oh Lord God behold thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out their arm and there is nothing too hard for thee Look what it says in Jeremiah 29. I know the thoughts I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me. And I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. God says, I want you to come. I want you to respond. You will find me. And what I will do is I will minister my mercy as it exceeds from my body. I will give you grace and I will give you forgiveness. And I will give you wholeness. But you got to respond. What do you give your mind to? Fear not. And then we keep focusing on what we are afraid of. Our insecurities, our issues, our challenges, the diagnoses we hear. But we've got to say what the Word of God says. See, in all things we pray. Now, God, Jesus, is not Santa Claus with a big list that we're making a wish list for. You understand that? I think that's what we, we want. Now, Lord, here's my wish list. We pray. But we come to him and we start saying, God, I've got to focus on you. Because focusing on my issues and my mess is breeding fear and discouragement. And, and so what if God calls you somewhere and God tells you to go and do something or speak something to someone what else are you going to do? Disobey him? 
live with a barrier between you and the Father? See, see, God says, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. And, and you're just beginning to understand it now. But you've got to always be responding to me. And nothing is outside of my ability, my care. You all have known the story of Franny Crosby, right? Do you know how many hymns Fanny Crosby wrote in her lifetime? 9,000. Do you know she would not, she wrote under pseudo names many times because she did not want a hymnal that said the hymns of Fanny Crosby. Do you know when she was six months old, she got a cold and it went into her eye? And they brought what they thought was a medical doctor in to treat her, and he was a fake. And he left town soon after. He put a mustard pulsus in her eye. And slowly but surely, she lost her complete ability to see as a six-month-old. She spent 23 years at the New York Conservatory for the Blind, 12 years as a student, 11 years as a teacher. But she said, I've got 9,000 hymns in me. You getting the point? See, see, God takes what we think is bad and he says, watch how I can focus her. And she can't even see, but she writes of the splendors of glory. Watch how I use her in a way that nobody else can even comprehend. You see, see, it doesn't mean you'll be exempt from the challenges of life. It doesn't mean you're going to be exempt from the problems of life. But what it means is when you trust Christ and you saturate your mind with him and with his word, he moves on your behalf and he begins to work. You have to transfer your focus. You have to cast your cares unto the Lord. You see, he has a greater purpose that you don't even understand right now. So you have to make a point where, Lord, I will trust you. I'm going to transfer my focus to you. And I'm going to live focused on you. Second way you, you deal with fears is you remember. You, you remember God is in control. Now, it may not look like he's in control of this situation or that situation, but God has never left his throne. God has never got so concerned that he's called an emergency meeting of the Trinity because Mark's got things messed up. No, he's on his throne and he is in control and he is working for your good, his glory. He is working and he has a plan and we don't understand it. But I've got to remember the goodness of God. I've got to remember the mercy of God. I've got to remember the power of my God. I've got to remember that Jesus Christ gave himself for me. And the least I can do is give my life for him and for his kingdom. Transfer your focus and remember, remind yourself, recount the mighty acts of God. Start back at your life and, and start remembering how God intervened, how God saved you, how God secured you, how God moved on your behalf. 
sit down, take time, start remembering. See, here, here's the most people just want God to get them out of their mess. Most people, the Bible says you reap what you sow. We want to sow and we want to pray for crop failure. How's that working for you? No. See, you've got to remember. See, in a starting place for some of you, you need to meet Jesus in a real way. Not because you, you've got this intellectual idea, but because he came into your heart and he became real inside of you and he changed you and he changed your desires. He changed your want to. You, you need to meet him and, and be born again for the first time in, in, in what God talks about, that new birth experience. But you've got to remember Acts chapter 4. The disciples are preaching and they get thrown in jail. Now that's just not right, is it? They're doing what's good. They're doing what's needful. They shouldn't be thrown. There's plenty of others that could be thrown in jail. There's always going to be stuff. But they kept on preaching. And God rattled the place. <laughs> did he not? And God did miraculous. Transfer. The focus to Christ. Remember what God has done. Understand, this is the third point. Understand, God has a divine and good purpose. God does everything for his glory and my good. Now, my definition of good is not exactly what God's is. My definition of good is that I don't have any pain. That I don't have any problems. But God has this idea that, that, that Mark does better when he has pain. And Mark does better when he has problems. Because when Mark has pain and Mark has problems, what it tends to do, it tends to drive Mark to his knees to seek God. To have a dependency upon the Father. And we understand that we, we, will, we, we will know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. But too often we get tunnel vision. But we've got to train ourselves to look to the big picture God has a plan. God has an agenda. And he's going to see that it comes and takes place. Genesis chapter 50. Remember Joseph? Wasn't he done bad? By his own family. Sold as a slave. And in Genesis chapter 50, he's telling the brothers that sold him out. He said, you meant it evil. But God meant it for good. And you've got to start realizing that in life. God is on his throne and God is working for good. He has a good purpose in circumstances and we've just got to trust him. Now, circumstances may not be good, but God is good. And God is in control. Number four, you have to submit to him. You bow your knees. You, you clothe yourself in humility. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You acknowledge in all things Christ Jesus. You acknowledge the Lord. How do you acknowledge him? It means you submit. It's not giving mental assent to him. It means you submit. And number five is you thank him. Man, it takes a lot of faith to thank him in the middle of pain, doesn't it? But in all things we thank him. All things we, we acknowledge him. And we say, God, I understand it. I don't understand. But I'm trusting you in spite of it. See, 
every day you have got to align your brain with the word of God you've got to reel in and say God fear is overwhelming me it's suffocating me and my faith is fleeing but God I need my faith to be strong and I'm going to your word and I'm going to bring what your word says guard your heart it says in Proverbs 4.23, keep the heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Romans 12.2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul said in Philippians 3.13, one thing I do, I press on to the Lord Jesus Christ. One thing I do, not 15. Isn't that where we find ourselves? We're doing 15 things, and we miss the one thing. So he says, fret not, trust, delight, commit, rest, wait upon the Lord, and he will move, he will work. It says in John eleven forty, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. What's that mean? Believe in Jesus with my mind, with my heart, and with my will. I bring it in line, and you'll see his glory. How will I see his glory? You'll see him show up places you never really expected him to show up. You'll see him start intervening in situations you never realized he was going to intervene in. You will see him working miraculously around you, touching people's lives, and you're not even realizing what had been transpiring. You will see the glory of God working in lives of people as you live unto him. But if you're focusing on your fear, your faith is fleeing. You ain't going to see that. Because fear has got you captive. Father, we bow before you this morning. And God, I pray, just like the angelic host told the shepherds, fear not. God, teach us what it means to respond to you so we will not fear. Just as Jesus told the disciples, don't be afraid. Where's your faith? Teach us, God, this morning how to respond to you so our faith will increase and it will grow, that we can experience the glory of you. And Father, there's some here today that don't know you as their Savior. They've never been born again. They've never received you and know what it means to pillow their head at night with a peace that passes all understanding. They don't know what it means, Lord, to wake up tomorrow with a purpose greater than making a living in the American dream, Father. And God, I pray right now that you would quicken their spirit by the Holy Ghost, God. And you'll draw them with an awareness of their sin, awareness of their need, because they realize that they are lost and they are undone and they are headed for a devil's hell. But today, Jesus has passed by their way. Today, Jesus has interfered in their heart and he's beginning to stir them, saying, there's mercy, there's grace, there's forgiveness. If you'll obey, if you'll respond to me. And so if you're lost, man, woman, boy, or girl, if you'll respond, we'll show you with the Bible what it means to be born again. But you have to respond. Now, baby, you're here and you're struggling with